When the days are grey and dreary And the nights are drawing in There's a place that's gay and cheery Where they'll take you for a spin So come on, forget your trouble Keep your eyes on the skies above You can always have it Welcome to Female Pilot Club Podcast. If you don't know us, we're a plucky band of lumpy jumpers helping female-written sitcom scripts take off and fly against the almost insurmountable odds presented by the TV commissioning system. And if you do know us, why haven't you been in touch? Really sad. We miss you. Please write call anything. I'm Wing Commander Case Donham, and co-piloting today is actor and proud mum, Emily Chase. Emily... I hear the scaly brat's been ill. The massive but I know you hate making a fuss, Emily, so let's move on quickly and let's get <laughs> on to introducing our two brilliant guests, Samantha Lydon and Teresa Burns. Hi, guys. <laughs> really hyping it here. <laughs> Sam and Teresa have been writing together since 2014. Recent credits include writing on hit TV CBB's comedy Justin's House, as well as contributing to this year's CBB's Christmas show, and they also write for Cartoon Network. They have developed original comedy pilots Curveball, produced by Colour TV London, and The Bridesmaid's Diaries, and Neil's Yard, which won the 2019 Funny Women Award. Their most recent comedy pilot, Prunella, was a finalist for the Comedy 5050 UK TV Series Commission in 2021, and was selected for our Female Pilot Club show at the Jewish Comedy Festival in March this year. Wow, that's some CV, girls. <laughs> Don't know about that. <laughs> so, Sam and Teresa, you worked with us earlier in the year when we put on a reading for your fabulous script, Prunella, as part of the Jewish Comedy Festival at the JW3 Centre. Did you enjoy the night? We oh, loved it. We absolutely loved it. It was amazing to just hear it come to life. Amazing actors as well, really yeah. made it. Yeah, we were really lucky. Who was your favourite? It really, I've got to be honest, I was so nervous. Like, Teresa was all in in the audience. She was just, you know, we know this, we've got this. And I was just like, yeah, I need, but I need to calm you down, babe. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> but I was, I, I was a bit of a bag of nerves before because I, the thing about comedy is like, the litmus test is do people laugh or do they not? Yeah. And yeah, so there's really? that moment, people are piling in. And it was a big theatre, big auditorium, and there's just yeah. a lot of expectation. And it's just interesting to hear the big laughs come sometimes when you didn't necessarily expect it. Like, the Jack Shalou, so that scene between Prunella and Kevin and that kind of flirtatious banter. We always really enjoyed it and we were writing it, but it just got such a massive reaction that yeah. we were quite surprised by that. I think so that you was, learn a lot. Yeah, that was all credit to the performers and yeah, they, yeah, you know, yeah. they bring something to it that you didn't necessarily expect or you didn't even, you know, put in there per se, but they've picked something out of it and they've enriched it and yeah, that the magic of actors. Isn't well, it? yeah, actors are pretty good. Aren't pretty they? good, and we quite, really quite like actors. Yeah, we just had a stellar cast. Writers <laughs> <laughs> in the league table, we're up in there. The, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it was brilliant. Good. So anyway, so we at Female Pilot Club obviously know all about Prunella, but people on the home front twiddling their knobs in search of lumpy jumper content. Don't know anything about it. <laughs> so can you do for us what we call a parachute pitch of your show? Go on, so go on. The scenario is, plane is going up in flames. There's only one parachute, which you're both wearing. Don't know how that works. <laughs> We're sharing it. Okay, yeah. great. You're I'm, in it I'm together. You're in it together. You're doing everything together. Yeah. But as you leave the plane, the commissioning editor at BBC Three jumps out and grabs onto your legs. 
All of your legs. Obviously, <laughs> this is a BBC Three commissioner, so he'll probably be carrying his gym kit and wearing school uniforms. So obviously, that's going to be <laughs> that's going to be a, a lot of extra. Yeah. Work. He might even have his laptop with him. So <laughs> you'll have to get a wriggle on if you're going to pitch your show before he and you reach the ground. So are you ready, ladies? Yeah, you're a start, and I'll chip in. I'll if spit you one by, you spit the next. Like great, brilliant. <laughs> okay, go for yeah, it. Pitch. Yeah, okay. Uh, okay, so. Prunella is about a young working class girl from a big mad Irish immigrant family in Luton, loosely based on Martin Theresa's life because that's semi-autobiographical. Yeah, yeah, that's the area that we're from. Uh, who wants to escape her lot? Yeah, she she dreams of becoming a professional writer and actually believes that she's the undiscovered voice of a generation, but her circumstances have prevented being discovered. And so I guess the upshot is, oh God, we're going to crash and burn. Um, (laughs) The upshot upshot is, can you ever really escape your lot or is living within your means literal? And you're down. Well done. The BBC commissioner has landed on his sandwiches. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we definitely commissioned that. And in fact, we did. And one of the main reasons was that we loved the wonderfully eccentric Irish family, which you just touched upon there. Um, So you also started to tell us a little bit about what you based your ideas on. Can you can you expand on that? Mm-hmm. Sure. I mean, when we started writing Penella, we are kind of spec that we sort of what we wanted to write was something that we knew. Mm-hmm. And we know that we both have quite big, mad families and we would bond a lot because we actually met in a in a theatre production office through work. And we got to know each other just sort of sharing stories about our families and kind of the scrapes that they would get into. And so it was a real bonding for us. Yeah. And both our dads are builders. Yeah. Both our mums were hairdressers. And it was quite weird. We had this weird affinity straight away. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah, to yeah. be in the arts and come from that kind of background yeah. and have parents that did the same thing. So we were just like, this, this was an obvious stomping ground for writing in. Yeah. And we kind of feel like the nature of of what we do is that we're sort of trapped between two worlds so like at home sometimes there can be this thing of sort of getting above your station because you're a bit arty farty going to london having meetings trying to be writers who do you think you are but actually yeah who do you think you are (laughs) um but then actually you know but in you know this world we can feel like oh do a bit of imposter syndrome actually of you know is this my fair lady of um, (laughs) the eliza doolittle (laughs) of dean street um yeah so that was sort of we thought, okay, let's let's just write about that experience, and and we just, yeah, we really enjoy writing the Murphys. They're just and the Irishness comes from Teresa, sorry, because that was one of the yeah. So so yeah, so my family Irish. My dad is from Belfast, and he came over to Luton when he was nineteen. Um, and my mum is from the south of Ireland. And so I said to Sam earlier, it's like, you know, the kind of the nuns and the priests and all that kind of business that kind of feels like quite a stereotypical kind of cliche of how Irishness is depicted. It, nevertheless is sort of my experience because my auntie is a Carmelite nun which is the most extreme Catholic <laughs> nun you can be I've got plenty of Irish cousins who are priests who come over and they're just like you know celebrities to everybody and you know my mum goes to prayer group and there's so many politics to do with that and so it's just it just felt like quite rich sort of stomping ground for us to sort of explore in this mm. and it's a world that We've got lots of siblings and all of that yeah, kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You so. come from a big family, don't yeah. you? So I'm really intrigued by the idea of a Carmelite nun. Does that mean there's kind of some really more serious Carmel nuns? She's <laughs> yeah. Carmel light. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, rather than like Carmel yeah, hardcore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hardcore yeah, they, they they are they are pretty hardcore. It is, as I say, it's the most extreme order of nuns. So they have periods of silence throughout the day where they can't talk, and they actually they have one hour a day 
which is called recreation, where they can talk to each other freely, but the rest of the day they're praying and they have duties and things to do. And that's um, her convent is in St. Charles Square in Notting Hill. So it's like in like the middle of like central London, but it's this very... Can you imagine that order. hour? I mean, no one's listening in that hour, are they? They're all just like talking nonstop. <laughs> yeah, no this is, yeah. This, like, the funniest thing that I've heard about that hour is that there's this nun there called Sister Luke who's actually on Instagram. So oh shout my God, out follow to Sister, Sister Luke. Luke. Follow, follow Sister Luke. Luke. Um, but apparently once in recreation, she did uh, a one-person version of Romeo and Juliet for the room, <laughs> which I just think <laughs> oh, is the wow. best thing I've ever heard. Ship, ship, So for Series 2 of the Female Pilot Club podcast, we have a sponsor. It's Blue Cat Screenplay Competition, who for over 25 years have been discovering and developing storytellers with their annual screenplay competition. It was founded by a writer who has a passion for discovering new talent. Just like us at Female Pilot Club. Indeed. Now, Blue Cat has always hosted a blind competition. So everyone's in blindfolds. No, that would be ridiculous, Emily. What it means is that no demographic data is shared, which ensures that winners are chosen based solely on their scripts and nothing else. Okay, that seems fair. So what kind of scripts do they want? Well, they want feature films, they want TV pilots, and they want shorts. And the great thing is that readers ensure each submission receives constructive feedback. So you definitely know that your script's been read and you can improve your script after the competition. So what do you get if you win it? Well, you get cash, first and foremost, but also winners and finalists have been signed by talent agencies like UTA, CAA and WME, and they sold their work to major studios. So if you're keen to hear more, head to bluecatscreenplay.com to learn about their upcoming competition. I must say I'm really, I mean, I'm both like really pleased and excited to hear you talking about like being working class creatives and what it's like to be a working class creative in the arts. So I'm I'm really kind of excited that you're talking about that and, you know, enjoying the fact that you, that you are from that background. But also I'm kind of like, I'm sad in a way that that's a thing for myself. You know, I'm from working class background as well. And when I started, you know, you had to pass, you had to kind of pretend to be middle class, otherwise you didn't get anywhere. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm yeah. exhausted from pretending to be <laughs> middle class. You can speak in your real voice now, okay, come on. Do you still find that it's a thing that you feel like there's been some kind of disadvantage in some way? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to like play a tiny violin for us, but we're really poor. Play a, play a big violin. If you're going to play a violin, go for it. um, We were talking about it earlier and we were just saying that I don't, you know, I I think they're really good now. They at least have one working class story a year. So we're really (laughs) lucky. Yeah, I think that's the thing. Whether or not it's necessary, they have it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They they want to tick that box for us. They don't know that. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I think think that's the thing that we've sort of stumbled across a lot where when we've been pitching, like Prunella, for example, that we've had the feedback of, you know, really love it, really love the family dynamic, but we've kind of got a working class thing. Like we've got something that there's an estate involved or whatever. And so we're sort of like, well, you could have more than one. Oh like, God. you know, so it's... It's just a way of life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, so I think it's a perpetual problem, unfortunately, because there's no money in the art. So just... you know it makes sense that you know to start well to start with at least there's no money in the arts so it makes sense that a lot of people that go into working in the arts that have the audacity to to try and make a living this way have a little bit of privilege behind them because how can you sustain yourself like if you don't have that kind of safety net and so therefore those kind of people with a bit of privilege work their way up the ladder quicker and they end up being the gatekeepers and the commissioners at all of these um you know, production companies and 
So, of course, when we're writing a working class story, what you're looking for is a is a producer that's going to relate to that. And unfortunately, that's not going to be their outlook on the world or their reference. So, you know, we've had people say things to us like, is this a world you know? Is this script written with love? And things like that. But it's because they're very worried that we might mocking or working class. Down yeah. Or, yeah. And it's or like, making or, assumptions on a community yeah, that we don't know. And they know feel about. uncomfortable because it's not a world that they know. And therefore, you know. When you say, no, actually, this is our world, yeah. what, do they, what do they say? <laughs> they're like, oh, right. Oh, I just wasn't sure. And, you know, but it's it's all very. Yeah. Yeah. They're just not that comfortable with it, I think. And, and they feel it's a bit of a risk. And there's, you know, all like Teresa said, that we've already got our working class story on our slate so you know we've kind of ticked that box but you know there's a million dysfunctional middle class stories you know told 10 million different ways (laughs) and nobody says anything about that but that's because they'll pick that story up and they'll relate to that and so I think yeah it is a catch-22 do you ever get there I used to get this quite a lot um it's not very aspirational. We want it to be, if it's about working class life, we want it to be aspirational. Does that, that was a thing for ages. I don't know mm. whether that's still a thing, is it? Or Yeah, maybe. It means maybe. they've got to have a posh house, I think. <laughs> well, I think, yeah, I think it comes into that kind of don't, like, don't punch down or like, you know, kind of that same thing of like, well, this can't be their lives. They must have, they must, they can't be happy with that. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah, it's just yeah. the life they know and it's a needs must situation. And that's what I think, you know, in our pitch there, we tried to say that line about um you know is living within your means literal is it a self-fulfilling prophecy but it is you know you it is hard to break the mold and it is hard to escape your lot because how can you ever look up above the parapet is that the saying if if you don't Mm. have the financial freedom to do that that. did you find maybe with your families that because of the difference in the backgrounds and the difference in entering that world compared to their world were they always supportive or were they like was it ever difficult I have to say, I think my family were really supportive. (laughs) Uh, My mum once said to me something like, if you don't lay in bed every day and you don't bring the police to my door, I don't, you know, do what you want kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But as in, you know, when you've come from nothing, you haven't got anything to lose. And I think as long as you're making an honest living, no matter what that is, you know, like she was very happy for us to do that. And just, you know, always encouraged us to reach for the stars. Like, yeah, that's not as that. Same for my family. It's kind of like, I suppose, I don't know, I don't want to make assumptions on like middle class families, but maybe there's, for mine anyway, it was sort of like, yeah, just go for it. You know, like it was, but at the same time, there is a thing which I think is also maybe a bit of an Irish Catholic thing of like, but don't be cocky about it. Mm, Don't get love yourself. Like, you have to, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's sort of like, and that's just like ingrained. Like, I don't feel like my mum and dad would have to kind of punch that into me. Like, I just feel like it would be really ugly of me to be like, I'm doing really well, like got a script commission or whatever. <laughs> I would just play it down. Yeah. And it's also just you don't want to be. Yeah. And some stuff doesn't really mean anything to them. Say, oh, I've, I've had this meeting with like, rough cut today and they'd be like oh uh, like because <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that doesn't yeah, mean yeah, anything yeah. and no or they'll say can't you write an episode of eastenders or you know and all of that kind of thing which has become like quite a cliche thing yeah. to say to actors or writers <laughs> they don't understand the process yeah i had a similar thing where i think i was in the young ones or something like that which was so culty and trendy in our world but like for my parents they were like what what did you do that for no I don't think they could have got anyone else to do that because it was <laughs> yeah, quite, yeah, it was yeah. like, well it's really but they just didn't get it they just yeah. shame really and they would have always loved me to do a uh, costume drama oh yeah sadly course, yeah, I never got into that. costume drama I mean you don't costume drama <laughs> 
No, but my mum always says that to me. Oh, Samantha, you'd be really. I agree with her. I agree with her. You'd be lovely in a costume drama. Elizabeth When you look great in the dresses. Yeah, that is really. Emily, as the token middle class person here. I've had elocution lessons. Come on, your family. Your mum's a writer. No, but when you were talking about it earlier, I thought it was interesting because both of my parents did not get opportunities because of their accents. And my mum did have elocution lessons. So now she does have an RP accent, but she's from the and West Can you country. do the accent? A little bit. It's gone now. You can't. So did they, I mean, what were they like? Because you, you obviously became an actress. Were they like all up for that? Or were they, you know, coming from it the other way where they're like, you should be a doctor or a... I, yeah, it was a bit more that way. Because they were like, my mum is an artist and a writer and my dad was a singer in a band, but they were also both teachers. So they're like, you can do that as well, but also do this. Yeah, that's sensible. As you know, we had a recording of your of your brilliant reading. So we've got a couple of cl- clips. So would you like to hear a little clip Two. of that lovely family? I've finally done it, Mum. I've left Sunil. Good for you, Sonia. I've always said Don Man's a waster. Yeah, he's been sexting again. Jesus, again? <laughs> well, you got a hand to tell me does well for a man of five foot three, six, three inches. Mum! <laughs> <laughs> well, he's tiny. Yeah. And he's scum. You should have done this years ago. You're well rid of that wee clip. Aww. <laughs> I knew you'd say that. That's why I thought, well, you wouldn't mind me, me and all the kids moving in here, you know, permanently. Well, have you considered couples counselling? <laughs> Everybody deserves a second chance. I just thought that was such a nice... It's just such a nice sort of interaction with the, you know, the, the sister, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. You know. Good to get Carrie in there as well, another. <laughs> Good to get Carrie in there. She was very funny, actually. She was really Carrie good. Carrie Howard was brilliant, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Big fans. And Frances Tomalty as the mum. Oh, man. Oh. Just, you can't see, but I'm bowing down to her right now. It's amazing, it's amazing because when we when we go through drafts of it, I always play Pat and I have to do the Nor- Northern Irish accent, which is a bit rubbish. But to actually just hear her do it and all like her choices because she's such an amazing actor. Just, yeah. She just got it. Just, she, she just got it. Yeah, got she it. just got it. And it, it, we've always sort of, we've known that whenever that part would be cast, it would be so important to get that right. What was amazing about Frances is, I mean, she's like a proper, proper serious actress, isn't she? You know, I mean, she, she's not someone who would jump into your mind for a, a comic lead. Um, no, but she but nailed she was, it. Oh, mm. my God. So funny. Yeah, yeah, so, so funny. She was. And we watched the rehearsal before, didn't we? we? Honestly, we just nearly, you know, like when you just dream come true. Like when she started reading, I was just like, we just couldn't have asked for anybody better. Like, yeah, she just nailed it and she... She did, smashed it. Just epitomised all of those things that we were hoping for and... Yeah. Yeah, so that was... um, Obviously, that's the family, but something else that we really, really liked about Prunella, and it's something you've touched on as well, I think, is that it feels like such an authentic representation of what it's like for young people today in the jobs market. Uh, and again, we don't often see that, do we, really? And the scene at the job centre is is very, very funny. We're going to hear that in a minute. But before we do, what's the worst job that you guys have had? What's the worst day job that you guys have had? I think it's actually like we're quite unique in 
because we're working in the arts well we're trying to um we we've done a lot of what they call the side hustles uh, <laughs> yeah, trying, like, pros of the side yeah hustles. trying to keep afloat yeah. which means we've had a quite a colorful um background of uh jobs uh i think mine has to be just being a promo girl and just being that girl with like a sachet of yogurt like outside i was there with you oh yeah really? Really? have you been a promo Hard. girl emily yeah sick bags oh. that was one of my highlights oh god Oh, well, actually, I did Ryan like, Air. I did Terry's chocolate orange and I ate a lot of them, which oh, was bad. Did you yeah. make yourself sick? Oh, God. I bet you made yourself sick. I, it was bad. I, yeah, I did overindulge. I also gave out a lot of surf, which gave me a headache. You know, like the surf. Oh, surf oh, yeah. I can't absolutely Oh, because it's stunk. really pungent. Yeah, really, really powerful. And they, at one point, they did like air fresheners as well that were kind of like coming as a free... Uh, you were too fresh yeah, yeah. I was so fresh but yeah I had such a migraine um, yeah so I know my worst what's yours Teresa I think well I worked in a call center I worked in like essential reservations for a hotel company and we would get a lot of well it's also it's just that kind of like robotic script of like you know every call was the same but also we did get a lot of complaints and I was just really rubbish at dealing with them really <laughs> But like, I think it was just that kind of soulless, repetitive thing that was quite hard. Did you get marked? Because we used to, I was in a call centre as well. And you, and yeah, stuff. they would listen in and then they would, they would yeah, mark they'd you. Yeah, they'd like score you. Yeah, and people would be really competitive, like people that had worked there for years. And so it's sort of like, I'm not naturally a competitive person anyway, but not particularly about hotel reservations. <laughs> so it's like, you kind of have to just dull that up when they're listening. But it's really, I hate people listening to me on the phone anyway. I know, it's Like horrible. if someone, I said this to Sam the other day when we were writing on Zoom and I needed to go and take a call and I said, babes, I'm going to mute. And you were like, why are you being silly? I was like, I just can't have you listen to me. Because <laughs> I find, I don't know, it's find it really nerve wracking. Is so it because you put on your posh voice? Hello, Teresa Burns. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was going to get found out. It's funny how like nowadays, like we, it, we try and make it sound glamorous by saying like side hustle, don't we? Like yeah, 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 kind yeah. Of subsistence jobs that you have to do <laughs> to pay the lecky uh, are now called side hustles. Yeah. I mean, it, it sounds trendy, doesn't it? But I I'm think trying to sound trendy. like an influencer, like I'm an entrepreneur. Hashtag like I was really hustle. impressed. Yeah, right, I yeah. mean, yeah. you know, I was, in, yeah. I was impressed. And it's, I mean, my thing is that like we're brainwashed to say this stuff, aren't we? Yeah. We're brainwashed to kind of like... You've got to have the spiel. Like the worst question ever as a writer or an actor is like, and what are you doing right now? And it's like... Ugh! Crying like, I just into my laptop, just, actually. Like, actually yeah. just... Yeah, tense up because it's like you've got to have all that. You've got to be doing it all, and you've got to be doing it all. You've got to yeah. be you've got to be doing a podcast, which you are. Yeah. To be fair, yeah, yeah. yeah. you've got to be developing your sitcom. You've got to you know be sending. Oh, you got to be get off you off to pilot season in the states. Yeah. You've got to have all this stuff. Yeah. You've had you? a busy day. You've been in meetings all day. I mean, we have had a very showbiz day. We've been at Soho House. She's dropping her right. So I don't know if you can call this a side hustle for Prunella, but she wants to get a job, doesn't she? But yes, she yes. hasn't had a job for a long time. And so she has to get to the job centre, which is one of my favourite scenes in the script. So we're going to hear that now. Interior, the job centre, Luton, moments later. Prunella's POV. Janet is looking down her nose at Prunella. She wears a name badge. You'll have to come back tomorrow. Prunella's at the front desk. desk. Queues of people snake past. Sorry? Appointment? Book online. Next! The person behind steps in front. Brunella pushes them back. Excuse me. Sorry, can you not just see me now as I'm here? Oh, what? You're here? Oh, I hadn't realised. Oh, well, in that case, we'll just change all the rules to suit you then. Book online. 
What if you ain't got a computer? Well, you could try calling this number. Janet points to a poster pinned to the wall. Can't I just book it through you? No, Miss Smarty Pants, there's a process. Honestly. Prunella sighs and pulls out her phone. The phone beside Janet rings. She nonchalantly picks it up. <laughs> Job centre Luton, Janet speaking. How can I help? Prunella is a gog. Janet is deadpan. She won't meet her eyes. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to book a job seeker's appointment, please. No problem. Just please hold the line and I'll see what's available. Janet puts Prunella on hold. Prunella is losing her patience. You're not going to break me, Janet. I will be here all day. <laughs> Janet takes her time. Checking dates, Prunella bites her lip. <laughs> yeah, hello. You still there? <laughs> yes, I'm still here. <laughs> We've actually got an appointment now if you're available. <laughs> that is such a funny scene. <laughs> she Thank was you. so horrible, wasn't she, Frog? Yeah. She really, really got it. Yeah, yeah, she did. I think we just wanted to epitomise that kind of job's worth, like jumping through hoops, like just bureaucracy for bureaucracy's sake <laughs> yeah, that yeah, some yeah. people seem to just really enjoy. Yeah. And yeah, I think also like, you know, not to get like, you know, all kind of sad and um, deep. deep about it, but like films like I, Daniel Blake really move me because I, I feel like, you know, like people like my parents' generation, for example, and just people that aren't, you know, com computer literate. Just, yeah, like the way that technology's moved on and the way the world works now, like you, if you don't own a computer, if, you, if you're not au fait with the internet, you know, like actually it's really hard to fit in the system now. And I think, mm. you know, Prunello having no confidence, having not worked for a really long time, going to the the job centre with a load of optimism yeah, just yeah, to be yeah. cut down. Yeah. By... You could just walk straight back out, couldn't you? you yeah. And you much. can see why people just kind of choose not to bother with it because, it, you know, she's trying and she's yeah. gone in there just like, yeah, I'm looking for a job and this is what I can do. And, you know, that naivety, I think, yeah. of just thinking that it would be that easy and it's not. Mm. Yeah. And, and I agree with you about the, the technology and also just the useless bureaucracy of it. Totally. You know, the length of the forms and things. Yeah, that you yeah, have to yeah. Yeah. And I often think, well, if you're neurodiverse, for instance, yeah, yeah, totally. you know, even if you're dyslexic, you know, which I'm a bit dyslexic, and, and forms really, really stress me out. Yeah. yeah. And the length of those forms that you've got to fill in, it's really cruel, I yeah. think. Yeah. And just like there being a process and it's so black and white. And if you don't follow that process, oh, well, guess what? You're not getting your benefits or you're not getting a job or... Yeah. So I think and you're just... the one being made to feel like you're difficult. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, it's just difficult. Yeah. yeah. It's designed to yeah. be yeah. difficult. Yeah. Yeah. So we yeah. wanted to yeah. just kind of, you know, obviously <laughs> we've used a bit of artistic license there, but we wanted to kind of like just sum that up and poke a bit of fun at it really. Yeah. But it's a, you say artistic license, it's a, a very, very well-structured scene. Beautifully, isn't it? It is. It's a brilliant scene. And it, it's funny you said about I, Daniel Blake, because that's exactly what I thought. Oh, did yeah, you? Yeah, me too. Mm. Yeah, I did. Because my parents have those issues all the time. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it's, yeah, I do think it's 
it's a good thing to poke fun at because it's something that causes a lot of stress. Yeah, yeah massively. And just genuine, honest people who just want to get out there in the working world. And, you know, loads of people want them and want to give them jobs. But this mad bureaucracy mm. in the middle is stopping those two people who are trying to find each other from meeting. And it's just so annoying. And poor old Prunella. I mean, she's feisty in that scene. Yeah, she? yeah, yeah. Which yeah. I liked. And, really, and Lauren really brought that out, I think. She yeah, did. She, she, did. Did. She's great. Did. She's she was quite, you know, she's quite on it. Um, but she's having a tough time trying to reach her dreams, isn't mm, she, of becoming yeah. a writer? She's frustrated by her circumstances and Rena as well, also stuck in a, a dead-end job and mm. she's got big dreams. And I thought it was really, I think you wrote those characters really well with real humanity, which I really appreciated. But is it important to you to write comedy that's about something? I think, yeah, yeah I suppose it is. I mean, we always want to write stuff that we know and that we feel like we can confidently portray like with authenticity and you know poke fun at things but also that there is that like warmth and affection in it so actually you can be dealing with something quite serious like you say like it can go deep mm. but it's sort of there's lots of humor that, that lives in it as well but I think we're really aware of our background and I think we are passionate about writing working class female-led female stories yeah. that's really everything that we've done today is that so because yeah, it's what we know and yeah. we also just want to see more of it on the screens i think you yeah know, like it's we what we want to watch what we want to watch it's underrepresented i think there's a reason that things like gavin and stacy the royal family like have become iconic and you yeah, know watched yeah, yeah. over and over again and i think it's actually apart from the fact that they're just brilliant it's also because there aren't many stories that i think are representational of you know the masses yeah. and yeah, i hope so that we're what we're writing or we, what we try and do is to kind of bring those voices and make those unheard voices you yeah. know get them out there yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and multi-generational kind of family dynamic we really really enjoy writing that chaotic family and then hopefully that means that you know that can represent quite a lot of the working class community you know that someone could identify with pat or rena or, or whoever or caring for their mom or, yeah, yeah exactly mm. exactly Shoop, shoop, shoop so we wanted to ask how important it is to you to have a partner to write with. What do you feel that you get from collaborating that makes it more appealing than working alone? Yeah, we really enjoy, speaking for both of us, we enjoy spending time together. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just, yeah, I think that because we have a ritualistic way of working where we always do one day a week together. So it's nice to be able to look forward to that. Like mm -hmm. I don't, I'm not like, oh God, you know, I've got to write with Sam tomorrow. You know, it's something <laughs> that, because because we're friends. Yeah, so. we, we have what we call our hour of bullshit, which is like, <laughs> when we start the writing day, we'll just have like, it's really bad. I mean, it's not strictly to an hour. It just it tends to go on for an hour of like just catching up. Like, and yeah, just like gossip. It almost is like limbering you're, up. You're warming up. Yeah, basically. like to get on a bit of procrastination before we get yeah. into it. But we'll always kind of like, we kind of maintain our friendship i think in there. those catch-ups yeah and, and yeah so not just enjoyment wise that's one thing but i also think that like there's that thing of like as a writer i think it, it, it is a lonely job i think when you do it on your own and yeah you, you're kind of like got to be self-motivated and disciplined and all of that stuff and i think that probably both of us would struggle with that alone and do when we've done individual yeah. projects whereas yeah. Because obviously there is like rejection that happens like regularly. That's just the nature of it. And I feel like 
in different rejections, you know, that it may be that one might hit me hard for some reason, I don't know. But then Sam will just sort of support me and go, actually, mate, you know, it's fine. Like to be, to like have that little kind of support network. Whereas rejections alone, I think maybe take, (laughs) it's harder to heal as quick. Whereas we can kind of bolster each other and just go, forget them. You know, let's just move on to the next thing. We don't let each other down, I think as well. Like if we've said we're going to do a writing day or we're going to get this done by the end of the week. Like even if I was just doing it alone I might kind of you know fob it off or put it off but if I've said to Teresa we're doing it this day I'll do it because I know that she's arranged her week around that and you know vice versa so yeah you show up for each other and also we found that because we're constantly debating the work that we feel like our first draft perhaps is slightly further on than if we were writing solo because everything feels there might be like something that I think really works, but by Sam questioning it and poking it, I can go, oh yeah, no, I do see your point because it's just a different perspective. Yeah. And I think we do offer different things. So it's just yeah. kind of... You know what else? Like This is one thing that we always say, like, you know, when you have like a meeting and you don't really know what to expect for whatever reason, like with a producer or another writer or you meet a director or something like, and you have this meeting and there's so many meetings in this world, like just general meetings where you go meet a production company. And then like you come away and you just think, what the hell was that all about? But you've got some, because it goes nowhere. But you've got someone to be like, or or you're not sure if it's gone well or not, you know, or for whatever reason. But you've got, I'll say to her, oh, babes, you know, when they said this, what do you think they meant by that? And we'll like pick it apart and dissect it and kind of. Whereas if on your own, you'd just be on the tube staring into space, just like, whoa. Yeah, and you can never, you know, it's like that episode of Black Mirror where they can play back each other's uh, memories, like (laughs) to other people, like to see, do you think this job interview went well? Like we're kind of that for each other sometimes, I think. Like, you know, we kind of, put a little barometer on it for yeah. I just have to talk to a sock I go like well, yeah. I they remember that babe <laughs> <laughs> so talking of wonderful relationships um, there is a terrific relationship in Prunella which is the relationship with Jack which is oh Jack sorry I, I love him so much that he's yeah. Jack it's Kevin isn't yeah. it of course yeah. uh, so I thought we'd listen to that and you can tell us what I'd like to know I don't know if you'd like to know this Emily what I'd like to know is what the hell were you thinking would happen to this couple as the series goes on because I was really intrigued by that you know I, I couldn't see where it might go exterior this estate evening Prunella takes her apron off as she walks across the Romdown estate to her high-rise block In the car park, a group of young lads surround an old courser holding cans of cider. Music blares from the dash. Kevin clocks her and steps forward. Yo-ho, you all right, babe? Where you been? Uh, When you're coming over again, you didn't text back and it had two blue ticks, but but that's cool. (laughs) I meant what I said, you know. You're easily the best I've ever had, and that's a lot. (laughs) It's a compliment. I, I'm honoured, but I've just got a lot going on with my mum and stuff. Okay, okay, I get it. But just saying, I've got my brother's Netflix login, and if you want to come over, like, later, later... Yeah, i got to go. So I'll see you later, yeah? Bella walks on, but he shouts after her. Why you got to be cold for? I'll get the popcorn, yeah? He's just gone. He turns back to the lads, covering... Joker, man. (laughs) (laughs) She'll be round. He represents, like we were saying, he represents kind of like that guy that's just always on your case that you know, like, you know, like... You could have. You could have, like, and, and... 
but it's almost like giving in to his will much more than her own. He's that kind of like easy street temptation. Um, but really, he's not what she wants at all. But he's off, you know, obviously she has a really difficult home life. She doesn't, there is overcrowded at home. She doesn't have any personal space. She's 31 and, you know, he's got the bed sit to himself now. His dad's gone down for GBH. And there is, and Jack brought such a lovability to it that he is this cheeky, chappy, really likeable lad around the estate. But actually, I think that because Prunella is, you know, about to be caught between two worlds, it's like, what we're seeing for the series is that actually there's a bit of a love triangle that could emerge because she's going to meet someone at work who maybe feels more on what she would perceive to be her wavelength but at the same time yeah there's going you know there's going to be a clash of class there and kevin is what she knows and maybe there's something quite comfortable about him so it's sort of yeah it's being trapped between two worlds yeah. and what direction and that pool she's going to go kind down of settling or do you kind of try and follow this potential new love interest at work with this guy that is from a background that's very different to yours you're from very different worlds and that would be a lot harder and probably a lot more unobtainable and yeah. so yeah he's just that kind of like siren that's always trying to draw her back but essentially she doesn't actually feel at home with either of them no that's the thing, I mean, that's the thing. yeah but this is where actors kind of skew things in a way, isn't, yeah. it, isn't it? Because he's so um, he's so gorgeous, that actor. Yeah, 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 yeah. As yeah. an audience, you're just going, oh, yeah, I'll take him. Yes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think he's great. You, you do him, him more. But you could still see why it would... Bad choice. Because, yeah. you know, fundamentally, like, he's a drug dealer. <laughs> no one's perfect. But not even that. I just think you could tell that she would never be crazy about no, no he's that. not. He's, there's no passion there, really. No. I mean, he adores Even though he was her. adorable. Yeah, yeah, he adores her, but it's not It's not completely reciprocated. But he's like this lovable safety net, I think. Yeah. But but yeah, but also there's this, da- I think there's this danger to Kevin. But like you say, Jack brought so much lovability to it that actually, like, I think, yeah, it may, it's the sort of thing maybe if we went to series, it would be like, is it actually going to swing in a different direction because, because of we're the all root? Yeah, well, because, does, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I, I think that, yeah, you sort of have to be open to that if you're starting to root for a, a love story. Yeah. You know why? Because he's the underdog, I think. That's yeah, the funny he is, thing. Yeah. He's so cheeky and he's got so much kind of confidence. He's got charm, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. yeah. But obviously, Prunella has big dreams for her future. So where does she get to at the end of the series? I think that's quite up for debate, to be honest. Like, still, mm. I, I think we, she's definitely going to make some headway. And it's going to be that ongoing conflict, really, because like Emily just said, I think she doesn't feel at home in kind of either world. So... You know, and we said earlier on, like it's that problem of the, the further in she gets to kind of making headway in her career and, you know, trying to kind of make something of herself, the more alien she becomes from her family. And that's, you know, she she loves her family and she they're a big part of her. And I think that she wouldn't want that either. So she's going to feel very pushed and pulled. And I think that that conflict is just going to kind of keep developing. Yeah. And we've we played a lot around with the idea of an internship of that being the thing that's sort of the opportunity that presents itself. Um, but obviously, when you have very little means to take on an internship is a is very very difficult to do, and something that an unpaid understandably internship. an unpaid yeah that your your family who are struggling to make ends meet are not going to understand why that could be beneficial to her career. So it's like grappling with that which I think a lot of people can relate to mm. you know 
that sort of the the rise of internships over the last unpaid internships the last few years thing is that she does have talent so I think that you know we're big believers that the cream rises to the top and you know all of that stuff so I think that we're going to see that if she's given the opportunities or earns the opportunities that she will there'll be there's progress it's just yeah might not be so fast no and not a straight path no and what about your future what would you like to be doing in your careers in 10 years time get a sitcom made would be great yeah. I mean we really en- we've really enjoyed developing Prunella I think that for us out of everything that we've written it's sort of probably our baby yeah probably because if there's so much lived experience in it I think if that got made that would just be pretty mega and where are you up to with it now so any interest did you get what did you get out of female pilot club in terms of interest in the industry we did get a producer attached off off the back of it. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, really yeah, yeah which is really great. So we're having lots of meetings. It's all really exciting. Yeah. Um, she's I don't know how much we can say. No, I don't really know what we can say. Yeah. But she's been a really oh, good champion. Yeah. yeah. And I think like yeah. having her as a producer attached to it has brought a validation because of her experience and you know the esteem that she's held in the industry has been mm, amazing and yeah. you know that was very much I think of her coming to see it and you know and the brilliant job that the actors did and you guys did of showcasing it for yeah, us yeah I think there's nothing like that no like for, no no you know bringing a thing to life oh, that's so. so great to hear it is amazing mm, really good yeah yeah on tv yes that would please. be really good yeah. So, ladies, um, the Female Pilot Club is very exclusive, as you know. In fact, we had to get special dispensation from on high to admit the two of you, because usually it's <laughs> okay, only fine. one. Yeah. We don't just let anyone in, you know. <laughs> we do, we let everyone in. We let everyone in. <laughs> sure, everyone sure. gets everyone in. in. Uh, but what we'd like you to do, as now you are in the Female Pilot Club, would be to nominate another person who you would like to see in the club. So it can be a writer, producer, performer or stand-up from the history of comedy whose only crime was a lumpy jumper. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, do you want to go first? Or? I don't know. We can say with... Well, I was going to say, because the people that came to mind immediately, but you know one of them because she's read was Katie Poulter. Uh, and I Frankie Marie Claire yeah, yeah because Katie uh, Potter yeah. yeah so she has a writing partnership with another girl called Frankie Marie and I don't know if you know this they've got it's called We Don't Hate Men um, and they do lots of kind of sketch comedy stuff and they have lots of pilots and I've been it's in a couple it's all amazing yeah as an actress so I, I just love what they do and do you know what they're absolute grafters like yeah. they put their hand in their pocket they've self-produced like and I just mm. I, I just think that someone Props needs to, to pick them. up their stuff and they're amazing so that's who I would like to nominate well hats off to them and Katie (laughs) and Frankie Marie Claire you are in the Female Pilot Club congratulations well that sound means it's time for us to grab our biscuits and head back to base for some civvy kit but we'll be back to help another female pilot navigate the curse of the TV comedy commissioning landscape course I think you mean course of the TV comedy landscape I know what I mean Emily Goodbye, and thank you very much to our guests, Samantha Lydon and Teresa Burns. And goodbye from Female Pilot Club. Why not follow us at Female Pilot Club on Twitter and Insta? The script was written by Kay Stonham and the show was produced by Emily Chase and Kay Stonham. It was edited and technically produced by Adam Bromley with music composed by Tim Sutton. If you enjoyed the show, please do like, subscribe, share and review. Until next time, up and away. Up and away.